You just heard her testimony of how Paul got saved back in 1950-something, and um, they had just gotten married and went to Billy Graham here in Syracuse, and that's where he gave his life to Jesus, and uh, there's a lot from there. It's amazing, the stories and what God did in them and through them uh, to start this this place, Believer's Chapel, to reach so many people in Syracuse and their surrounding areas. And many of us are here today because of this couple. And so we have the honor and privilege to have her with us uh, in October. So we want to honor her when she comes. And we're just going to, uh, I'm going to kind of interview her like I did on the phone back. Uh, that was a phone conversation we had a f- few months ago. And, you know, I asked her, it was so good. It was so amazing. I've been in this church when I was a teenager. I grew up here. And then for the last 16 years, I've been pastoring here, and I have not heard a lot of the stories that she told me on the phone a few months ago. So I want you guys to hear them and see the goodness of God and how much God has done in and through this place. It's pretty amazing. Amen? And every one of you have a testimony as well. You know, God has done some amazing things in each and every one of our lives. And uh, we want to get those testimonies out on video and start proclaiming them and, and hearing from them. We need to hear what God is doing in your life. And so uh, please sign up for that out at the um, booth. We would love to hear from you. And no matter how big or how small, God has done some great things in our life. And we know if you've received Jesus as your Savior, that is the greatest testimony of all time. Amen? So at least share that. All right. So uh, also, you guys know the key, we've been pushing the key to um, our life uh, growing in the Lord and taking next steps in God and filling, fulfilling the purpose of God in our life is obviously we need to come to church and come together and worship God together. But it's really important that we get connected and growing together in small groups. We believe that at Believer's Chapel that the best way to grow in the Lord is through relationships. And our relationships are best fostered through our crews, which is our small groups. And we have 26, 24, 26 groups that just launched this last week. And so if you didn't join one, join one this week. Check them out. Uh, we have all kinds of groups. There's, uh, you can check them all out online at our website, believerschapel.org. Uh, this is the second, uh, third week of the series that we're starting, the, A Better Way. And so I'm going to dig into that. And just to give you a recap, if you weren't here, week one we talked about uh, J- uh, Josiah. And remember, Josiah was a king, and he was uh, only seven, eight years old when he became king. And he uh, became king into a, a kingdom that was extremely evil. And they were doing evil things to each other and to, uh, um, to kids and to all kind of things. And so when he got older, he found the scrolls, uh, the first books of the Bible, the first five books, and they were read to him, and he realized that there is a better way to live. Isn't that great? Has any of you here, you know, maybe you were living a certain way, and then finally one day somebody brought you this good news of Jesus Christ, and you realized that there is a better way to life. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? And so we have found a better way, just like Josiah did for his kingdom. In week two, we talked about how that now that we found this better way, that God doesn't want us to be entangled in the things that held us down in the past, right? He doesn't want us to be slowed down by our sin and the weights of the world that we can carry, like anxiety, worry, stress, all those different things that... um, uh, just keep us from running the race that he has. In Hebrews 12, 1, we talked about that, that since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, that we have a race to run, that God has a purpose for our life. Aren't you excited about that? That we're just not some cells taking up space, that God has an actual purpose for your life, and it's up to us to be free from the things that would weigh us down and to move forward. And so, This week, 
Week three, uh, the name of this title is called Contending for Contentment. Contending for Contentment, week three, a better way. So people ask me uh, a lot of times, they'll, they'll come to say, uh, hey, Rich, how, wow, I'm so happy for you. You know, you're the lead pastor now. How does it feel? How are you doing? Is it, is it, how's it great? And, or they'll say, hey, you, you've been married now for just over a year, and uh, I have a new family, and uh, how is it? Man, life must be awesome. Isn't this so great? And they want this, you know, the response from me. Or they'll ask, hey, uh, some of you know I've just moved into a new home, and uh, so people ask, hey, how's it feel to be in a new home, and how's this all going? And, and, you know, I just tell them, yes, I finally did it. I made it. There's no more problems anymore. I'm now able to be content. Now that I am the lead pastor and married and live in this uh, nice house that all my kids can have room now, everything's perfect. I mean, no, that's not true. <laughs> right? Do you know, I was happy before I was the lead pastor, and I'll be happy long after I'm the lead pastor. I was happy before I received the house. I'll be happier. I'll be just as happy, maybe happier, after I'm ever in that house. You see, contentment doesn't come from situations. Contentment comes from Jesus alone. And when we have our focus on him, nothing can take that away, amen? See, the fact of the matter is, is that all of us go through seasons. We all have seasons of ups and downs. Even the scriptures talk about it in the Song of Solomon. The wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, he wrote, he said, there's a time for everything under the sun, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's times in our life where we feel like things are being torn out of our lives. That is painful, it's trial, it's tribulation. There are situations that happen, maybe because of bad choices that we've made as individuals, or maybe bad choices that other people have made that affect us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Is anybody in a season of your life that, hey, it just feels like everything is just going wrong? It, you know, you hear people, when it rains, it pours. Right? We, how many have been through seasons like that? Right? We've all been through seasons like that. Then there's seasons of building, of re- restoration, where God builds us back up, where he restores us, where he fixes things. And it's an exciting time. It's a time where we, we feel new joy and we feel the love of God and we feel like, thank God I'm not in that past season any longer. There's all kinds of seasons that we go through in life. As you see, even coming in today, some of the trees are starting to change colors. And we've gone from summer now, starting to get into the beautiful fall foliage of fall. How many people love fall the most? A few of you, how many love summer the most? How many love spring the most? And I know most of you love winter the most. How many love winter? <laughs> Just a few of us, right? We all like different seasons. We all have different, um, uh, different opinions on what seasons are the best. I really do like winter a lot. Um, I am an anomaly, I know, but I like to ski. I like to, I just like the, the snow, you know. Anyway, um, you know, we all have different seasons, but God has called us to be content in all seasons of life. We all have times of struggling. We all have times of prosperity. We all have different seasons in our life. And I guess the question that I have for you today is at what season do you become content? And this word content in the scriptures, it actually means a state of peaceful happiness or joy. At what season in your life do you finally say, I've arrived, I'm here, I can now be joyful? What season is that? Is that the season of prosperity? 
when you've, you're giving these, you know, you just won the lottery or, hey, you just realized you had this promotion or you had this huge raise, is that the time to finally be content? Or maybe it's a goal that you set for your life and you finally achieve that goal and it's like, finally, now I can be happy. Is that when happiness comes? Is that contentment? You know, I remember many years ago before he was president, Barbara Walters interviewed President now the President Trump, he wasn't the President then, and they, he asked, she asked him, hey, when is it enough money? When will you have enough? Because they were talking about how much money he had and all these properties that he was building, and uh, when is it enough for you? And he says, one more dollar. One more dollar. You see, with him, it was never enough. It didn't matter how much he attained, how much he received, how much he built. It's always one more thing until I'm content. So in other words, I'm never going to be content because there's always one more thing to do. There's always one more thing, right? We can relate with that at some, at some level, maybe, maybe that, not with the money part. But remember, uh, maybe when we were younger, we said, oh, I can't wait until I get married. Then I'll be happy. Oh, I can't wait until I have kids. Kids will bring me happiness. <laughs> then when we have our kids, we're like, I can't wait until my kids are a little bit older and out of this awkward stage, or this annoying stage, right? And when they become a little older and self-sufficient, then, I'll, then it'll be finally I can be, get some peace around here, right? And then they get to that age, you're like, maybe when the kids are out of the house, then I'll be happy. And then the kids get out of the house, and they get older, and then you're like, oh, I wish... I was younger. When is the season that we're supposed to be content? At what stage in life and season that we go through are we supposed to find happiness? Is it in suffering? Is it in poverty, seasons of poverty and great struggle? Are those the seasons that maybe, God, I might not have anything, but you know what, I have you. These other things aren't making me happy because I don't have them but I can rely just on you, Jesus. Or are we in those seasons like, if only I could get out of this house, if only I could pay this bill, if only I could get out of this debt, then I would be happy. When is contentment coming? When is the season that we're supposed to have this peaceful happiness? The Bible gives us the answer. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter four. It tells us the answer to the solution. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, very plainly, it says this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. And he's telling them, I want you just to remember this one thing. And it's so important that he says it twice. There's not too many places in the scripture where somebody repeats themselves. But in this scripture, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And the word rejoice, the original Greek, is this word chiro, which is actually a verb, an action word. It means to be glad. So if you translate it into our English and modern English today, it would actually say something like this. It say, be glad that you have God. I'll say it again. Be glad in God. I'll say it another way. Despite your circumstances, whether you are in a season of prosperity or in a, prosperi uh, or in a season of uh, uh, defeat or a season of struggle, 
whatever your season is, I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord. Be glad in God. I'll say it again, be glad in God. You know, I've been through some difficult situations and seasons in my life. I lost my dad at a young age. He was actually my age now when he passed away. I'm 46. And um, my uh, dad, I was 26 when he died. That was a tough season in my life. I've been through, as many of you know, through some very heartbreaking, heart-wrenching situations. I lost, uh, I went through divorce, which is very uh, heart-wrenching. It's like your heart getting torn out of itself. That was a hard time. I remember seasons in my life where it's like, God, where are you? Why? What is going on? I remember even uh, going in, um, um, just trying to get away from people just so I could go find a place to let my emotions out and just bawl and cry. But I also remember in those very same seasons, laying my head on the pillow and remembering the times when Jesus was right next to me. There's times when I felt Jesus even say, uh, I would say to, say to God, I said, God, what do you think about all this? And I remember Jesus just comforting me, saying, I am with you. I remember Jesus just saying to me, uh, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That even in the worst of seasons in our life that we could go through, that we still have Jesus with us, that we could still rejoice and be glad. And if Jesus is enough for us, like we say and sing he is, then despite the circumstances going on around us, we can still be glad in God. Amen? Guys, this is one of the better ways of life, that if we will learn to be content in all circumstances, that God is with us, that he is for us, that he is never against us, that he is going to be beside us in good times and bad times, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, meaning that righteous people and wicked people all go through struggles. But with us, Jesus is with us. The Bible continues to say, after he says, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In verse six, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Does anybody struggle with anxiety or worry? Rejoice in the Lord. And then if you skip down to verse 12, it says, I'm not saying all this because I am in, uh, I'm sorry, I know that I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul speaking. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is Paul speaking. I want to give you a little history here just for a second on Paul's life. While he is writing this very scripture and saying, I have learned to be content. I've learned to have peaceful happiness in all circumstances. While he's writing this actual scripture, he is in prison for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. He had already been beaten many times. In fact, I want to go back just a couple of books. We're going to go back to the book of, actually just one book, two books, to 2 Corinthians and read just some of the things that he went through. If anybody can speak on being content in all circumstances, it's Paul. In verse 24 of the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he says, five times I have been, I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. This is the same scourging that Jesus took before he went to the cross. Paul received that same scourging five times. 
Verse 25, he says, Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face all the daily pressures and concerns for all the churches. Who is weak, and I don't feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I don't inwardly burn? Paul, is saying, Paul has the ultimate authority on speaking this scripture to be content in all circumstances. None of us have gone through the things that Paul has gone through. Is anybody in prison right now? Maybe you feel like you're in prison. Has anybody been beaten with rods? Has anybody been whipped 39 times in this place? None of us have been through the things of Paul. Yet Paul comes and he says, despite I have learned to be content in all circumstances. And if we want to know how we can have a better life, a better way of life, that we too must learn how to be content in all circumstances. Being glad in Jesus is your duty. It is up to you to determine if you're going to be happy or sad. It's up to you to determine if you're going to take joy in God or be overconsumed with your circumstances. Your circumstances don't determine your gladness. You determine it. The great author John Maxwell once quoted said, you determine your attitude and your attitude determines your altitude. When should you be glad? Always. Be glad in the Lord? Always. And again, I'll say it, be glad. Rejoice in the Lord? I'll say it again, rejoice. We should be glad in the Lord always, Paul says. Well, I don't understand what's happening in this situation. Rejoice in the Lord, you have him. I don't get why this is happening to me. Rejoice in the Lord, always. He even says in the hard times, he's developing perseverance in us. He's shaping us. He's building character in us. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Joy in God is a duty of great consequence in the Christian life. And Christians need to be Again and again called to it. This is from Matthew Henry. I want to say it again. Joy in God is a duty of great consequence in the Christian life, and Christians need to be again and again called to it. We need to remind ourselves that no matter our circumstance, no matter our situation, no matter the season that we find ourselves in, that we can rest assured that Jesus has not changed, that Jesus is still with us, that we have a relationship with him, that at any time we can enter into the Holy of Holies, any time we can get into his presence, at any time in bad times and good times, we can know and be with the creator of the universe. Is there anything greater than that? The answer is no, guys. There's nothing greater, and nothing can ever take that away from us. If good men, this is from Matthew Henry too, if good men have not a continual feast, it is their own fault. God has more than enough riches of joy and peace and love 
at our disposal at all times, that we can tap into him at any moment, no matter how low life gets or how high it becomes, we can always rest assured that Jesus has more than enough for us, a continual feast of joy and peace for us, that no matter how hard life becomes, he is still there. So where are you? In the season of your life, have you found contentment? Have you found this happiness? Or are you still waiting for this to happen or that to happen? If only this relationship could happen or only if today. You know, for the longest time since I was young, People would always tell me, hey, enjoy your children while you can because they're going to grow up fast. And I always tried my hardest to enjoy my children when I can. And they do grow up so fast, don't they? My oldest one is here today. She's a senior in college now. And it won't be long until, no, she's going to stay with me forever. So we'll just keep it at that, right? Right, Carly? <laughs> they grow up so quickly. And life is so fast, too. We don't have time to wait for the next season to be happy. This is the season that God is with us right now. And even as a church, it'd be easy for us to church say, if we only get to this place as a church again, or if only we would do this. As, but what are I about right now? Is God not here today? Is his presence not with us now? Is there not strong Godly relationships that are developing and growing today. God is doing a great thing among us. Let's not miss it as we try to continue to look forward to tomorrow. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord God, we're so grateful for your hand upon our lives. We're thankful that God, we can rejoice in you, that we can be glad because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God, we can rejoice in you because you paid the price for our sin on the cross. God, we can rejoice in you because you want a personal relationship with each and every one of us. God, we can rejoice in you because you give us and fill us with your love and your joy and your peace. And there's nothing on the planet that compares to you. So God, we say that we're sorry. God, for always looking for the next thing to make us happy. Or God, if we only were out of this season, we'll be happy. Or if only, then I'd be happy. God, today, we choose, we make a decision to be glad. We make the choice to rejoice in you. And forgive us for all the times that we haven't. Would that be your prayer this morning? Would you say that to the Lord? Say, God, help me just to rejoice in you right now. God, I thank you that I have you today. I, may, I, may, I might not know what happens tomorrow, and I might have these situations going, but God, I'm just happy that I have you. If you're here in this place, and maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and maybe uh, you've walked away from him, or maybe you've never met him, I want you to know that he loves you.
He made you, he created you on purpose for a great purpose. And he wants a relationship with you. He died on the cross to take your place of the things that you've done that have caused a separation between you and he. And today he's saying, if you will accept me, accept what I did on the cross for you. If you will say, God, I'm sorry that I've missed it, that I've gone my own way and I'm coming to you and asking for forgiveness. And I want to turn and have that relationship with you instead. I realize, God, there's a better way. If that's you here in this place with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, would you just lift your hand high enough so I could see it? You say, I want that relationship with Jesus. I need that relationship with Jesus. Come on, I see hands in this place. Who else? Jesus, I need you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? I want everybody to say this prayer for those that raise their hands. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I'm sorry for going my own way and doing my own thing or even wasting my time. Today, I turn back to you. I ask you to forgive me. I accept what you did on the cross for me, that you took my place for all the things that I've done wrong. You took my penalty so that I can be forgiven and made clean. Today, I start that relationship with you. So help me to know you better for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just did that in this place.